Hello, welcome to This Week in the ACC, the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jeff, and you can find me on Twitter at TalkinACCSports. As always, I'm joined by my co-host and moderator, Matthew. His Twitter account is at HokieSmash underscore ASD. I'm going to turn it over to Matthew now as we get started on the podcast. Outstanding. We're happy to be back here tonight. And we have a very special guest here on this podcast tonight. Joining us this week is National College Football Blogger and FWAA member, youth football coach extraordinaire. You can follow Terry Johnson on Twitter at, at Terry P. Johnson. Again, that's at Terry P. Johnson. And he is a fellow airplane fan. Uh, Jeff, do you see him by here yet? Has he? I don't see him by here yet. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't see him just yet, Matthew. He, sh- he, should, he should be here. He prob- probably should be here pretty quick here. Uh, what kind of ACC news do you got for us, Jeff? Um, well, this this week um, or today, I wrote an article, and I mean, it's always you know what's going on with realignment and revenue, and I was going to save this for my open mic, so I'm going to get my open mic topic out of the way. Um, you know, Matthew has wrote about it that Commissioner ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips, he's on the clock, he's got work to do. Uh, oh, I see Terry just joined in. All right, Terry, if you can hear us, you've just been invited as a speaker. It should show up on your phone. There, I see you. Um, There, we see you. Terry, welcome, friend. We are happy you're here, man. We're happy you're here. So here's here's the deal, man. Uh, You've been on this show with us for a long time. You've been a, a great guest with us every year. And so... We're happy to have you come back to the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. We told everybody on here that you're a national college football blogger extraordinaire, FWAA member, youth football coach extraordinaire, a fellow airplane airplane fan. And but we have new listeners on this podcast all the time. So if you can tell us about yourself, like you know where you went to school, talk about what you've been up, what you've been up to, uh, what you've been up to in the uh, in the in whatever you want to talk <laughs> whatever whatever you want to talk about since the last time you were here man and that you know we we love having you come on here because i mean you have a storied college football history writing you've been with some of the best some of some of the best when we some of the best stable of writers so the floor is yours friend welcome back well first let me say it's great to be here because that means college football season is in um as I'll tell everybody close to me, I know this is how it's ringing. We, I think we've done this every year since uh, 2014, and there's nothing like ringing in the season uh, with you guys. So it is a privilege to be back here. Um, as you mentioned, I've had the uh, privilege of working with a bunch of great writers, uh, Matt Zemek, uh, Pete Futek, Rich Criminello, the whole staff at uh, CFN. They're really awesome. Um I don't know that all my friends here would like uh, Russ Mitchell. He's a bit of an SEC guy, but Barrett Salee, 
all those guys. Phil Harrison, who now runs uh, Buckeye Wire, it was just a privilege to write with those guys and and, and challenge them on ideas and and, and things like that. Um, you also mentioned, yeah, hey, yeah, it's um, it's uh, football time now. I'm actually coaching two sports this year, if you can believe that. Um, doing both uh, football and soccer, so I enjoying that. So if I get a little bit scatterbrained, yeah, you guys bear with me. That's uh, probably got something to do it, but. Again, it's a, it's a great privilege to be here, um, and I'm going to hold myself accountable for all our readers uh, to all sports discussion. I'm going to be out here. It might only be once a week, but I am going to post some content out there. Hey, if you agree with me, give me a like. If you disagree with me, hey, blow me up on Twitter, and let's have a fun conversation about it. Hey, Terry, if you can do us a favor, check your mic volume just a little bit. You're coming in a li- just a little bit low, and we'll we'll, we'll – we'll, uh, We'll check. We'll we'll check the sound volume here shortly. So, but let's get let's get let's get into the first. Let's get into the very first question here, man. Let's get into the very qu- first question. Quite an off season in ACC country. Lots of new hires for several schools in the ACC. Give us your new your thoughts on the new coaching hires in the ACC, Terry. Well, I was going to say the, 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 I go against the conventional wisdom a little bit here, and I got to tell you, the ones I like. I don't think a lot of people did. They were like, who? And then the ones I don't like, well, you know, i got to get blown up. So let's start with the one, Mario Cristobal. Everybody says, hey, that's a great hire. Miami's back. Nope, sorry, not buying. Um, I respect Coach Cristobal, what he's done at Ford International in Oregon, but there's still a lot of work to be done there. It's not going to be what it was under Butch Davis or Jimmy Johnson. Um, he did assemble a, a great coaching staff. Uh, Josh Gaddis will have that offense running like the teams that we're used to. Charlie Strong, and I'm mentioning Charlie Strong because he's the co-defensive coordinator. Don't ask me to endorse Kevin Steele. Uh, Anybody who's been to Death Valley knows why. Um, (laughs) So we'll put that one in there. He's got a great staff, but I think the thing to remember is that, look, great head coaches haven't succeeded there. Uh, Mark Richt, one that I coached that, or, you know, a coach that I modeled, you know, my career after, great guy, knows how to you know, win games, he, he kind of made Georgia into a winner, and he did not succeed at Miami. So that's why I'm kind of skeptical on Mario Cristobal. I think he's a great hire, but to say that, you know, Miami's back based on his hire, no, I'm not prepared to go that far. So sorry if that one sounds a little grumpy. Um, now, we'll say the, the hire that I was excited about, most people said, who? Uh, and then that's uh, Mike Elko. He wasn't necessarily the hottest um, – Name on the list, but he was certainly the best. Uh, as a, as for readers that don't know, I am an obnoxiously unapologetic Toledo Rocket fan. And with that saying, is that I really did not like what Mike Elko did at Bowling Green, where you know his team was six nationally in total defense. Um, kind of hard for Toledo to win the conference when he does things like that. He did very similar things at, at Texas A&M, so much so that all the legacy fans out there saying. Well, we need to bring back the wrecking crew. Uh-uh, didn't happen. They forgot all about it. So this is a great hire. This is one that is going to go, you know, kind of under the radar, but I'd be excited about it. I say the same thing about uh, Brett Pry at Virginia Tech. Again, when he was hired, my first thought was, who? I have no idea who that is. Did some research. Coached under James Franklin at both Vanderbilt and Penn State, so he knows how to beat more with less. And by that, you know, here's a number that that stuck out to me about him is like his defenses in the Big Ten were always in the top five and fewest yards per play. That is a very underrated stat. 
So while the defense wasn't broken, I think he's going to bring some fire here. If I had to look at a, a, a very similar hire that was made, the one that comes to mind for me is Tom Amstutz when he replaced Gary Pinkle at Toledo. He came in and said, I'm going to change this thing around, and I'm going to do this my way. People laughed at him. You know, after he finished in the top 25 a year later, nobody said anything about it. So, again, great hire. I really like it. Tony Elliott's another one. Uh, he's a hard worker, tireless worker, and a great play caller. And for people like, well, Clemson's offense wasn't that great last year. Okay, but my response is go back to the BCS championship when he had COVID and could not call the plays. And Dabo Swinney and another person were calling plays. How lost did Clemson's offense look? Exactly. So what I'm saying is that's the type of present he has. With him calling plays, and, you know, like I say, they, they've got a little bit of work to do on defense. But give him some time, and I say, and this is my bold prediction for the evening, he will have Virginia back to the level it was under George Welsh. Well, that's pretty, that's pretty high praise. And I, I, will say, I will say, Terry, Brent Pry was a graduate assistant at Virginia Tech. Yes, he learned from the best. Uh, yeah. no, doubt, no doubts about that. But what really stuck out to me was again, yeah. he won nine. They won nine games at Vanderbilt. Yep. Okay, that's like twelve anywhere else. It is. It is. It is. It is. It is. You know, and my my thought there was more like he fits the culture that they want somebody in there, and I think that was more of a cultural hire too for the fan base. I mean, you bring up some really good points. I didn't know about the Bandy thing. And I think that's an excellent point. Uh, that's really, really good insight. But, and but they also, I mean, I'm telling you, I mean, Fuente lost that lot. Fuente just did not want to get comfortable with the culture there in Blacksburg at all. And I think that that rubbed the fan base the wrong way. Um, while you said that, three more Virginia Tech quarterbacks put their names in the transfer portal. <laughs> <laughs> Right. No kidding. No kidding. Right. And, and, and one of them became a Heisman candidate, right? Yeah, well, just one. I mean, the, the, there were so many <laughs> I'm sorry. There. You don't have enough footballs. To, I mean, and, and, that, and that's, you know, that's really where I lost it. And that's why, that's why you know, I was saying, hey, I was initially skeptical in the hire. I was like, hey, the offense is a problem. Defense is, is defense. But like you said, you go back and just in, you know, go back to the lunch pail mentality that uh, Coach Beamer had there. And, hey, you got a winner. Definitely, definitely. Jeff, you're up, buddy. All right. Thanks, Matthew. Uh, Terry, I got a homework question to start off with. How important is it a year for my Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets and Jeff Collins? Uh, uh, this has just kind of been a, a, a flop since he got hired. Three, three win seasons. Uh, after three win season, back to back to back, uh, he's got to show something this year. And then uh, after Georgia Tech, uh, what about North Carolina? Um, you know, it's been, you know, not all bad for Mac Brown. There's there's been some highlights, but they also had the season last year of not meeting expectations. So his, his tenure so far at North Carolina has been a little bit uneven. Okay. Well, first of all, you say that. And I want to qualify my comments out here is that I never pull for anyone not to succeed. It pains me to say, yeah, this person's going to get fired. So I, I've, I've qualified my comments. I'm not trying to say anything bad, but I'm sorry. Jeff Collins is toast. Um, there, 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 there's no other way to say that. Georgia Tech is 120th out of 130 teams as far as expectations. 
or as far as experience. So you're 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 taking a team that's already struggled, that already has a tough schedule, and oh by the way, you know, you, you lost Jameer Gibbs. Now Jameer Gibbs, I'll I'll tell you, is is a very special player. I do not understand why they had trouble getting him the football. I mean, I, I get it when you're behind, you want to pass, you want to do all that, but to me, it was one of those. He got rid of Coach Payton. Odd. I wouldn't have, but he did. But that, you know, usually when you sack the coordinator, that's the, you know, I mean, everybody's heard the joke is like, you know, the CEO that knew he was in trouble got three envelopes. The first time envelope, he'd blame the chairman of the board. The second envelope, he'd blame himself. The third envelope was to prepare three more envelopes. And I feel that's like where Collins really is right now. There's nothing. And, and I mean, it, it pains me to say that because I was one of those people out that I know there were the hard to believe there were a few, but we're saying, hey, the team's improving, the team's improving, the record doesn't show it, the team's improving. Last year, he kind of lost me a little bit. I expected to see more, and then when Jameer Gibbs transferred, I was like, come on, you, you, you can't do that. I mean, that that is one of the best, that's one of the best high school players I've ever seen live. Now, he's a local boy. He actually played at uh, Dalton High School here. One of the best players I ever saw live. That kid can't leave and have your program be a success. I mean, it is just not going to work. I don't see enough wins on that schedule. And, you know, you've got a whole lot of inexperience. They probably go down this year. I, I think he loses his job. I think it's uh, – I fully expect there to be a, a coaching change midseason. Now, as for North Carolina, yes, I, I, I agree with you too. And I, I, you can already kind of sense the um, urgency here, bringing Gene Chizik out of retirement. That, to me, reeks of desperation. It's saying, hey, I've got no other way to go. The defense has to get better. Um, the offense should have been better last year. Six and seven wasn't, isn't going to cut it when your team, you know, was in almost every preseason top ten there. Now, it sounds like in the offseason there was some um, accountability, like in the bowl game. Uh, there were some players saying, oh, we didn't really want to be here. And a lot of North Carolina's defensive leaders stepped up and said, oh, no, I don't think so. So there will be a lot of accountability. But to me, it's one of those, this almost needs to be a 10-win season or it's time for North Carolina to say, okay, we're going to get left behind. If And, you know, nobody wants to talk about the elephant in the room, but if the SEC ever decides to expand, North Carolina's got to start winning games now because – you know, uh, they already have teams like Vanderbilt that only win three or four games a year. They need a consistent winner. All right. Uh, Terry, give us your thoughts on the momentum brewing at ACC uh, schools like Wake Forest and North Carolina State. And we know, you know, Wake Forest had the um, non-football uh, injury to Sam Hartman. Uh, hopefully he'll be back, you know, um, before too long, but, you know, they kept that pretty much under wraps, what's going on there, and and that could affect, you know, certainly Wake Forest's season. Oh, I think it has to, and I mean, I'm going to use a, a, an example that probably everybody's familiar with after ACC Media Days, something Pat Narduzzi said. I mean, that's a, that's a two or three touchdown difference between having him in the lineup and not having him in the lineup, and I mean, look, that's, that's no disrespect to Wake Forest's offense, um, particularly, like, you know, on the offensive line, they return 104 career starts. Um, you know, that's you – know, most years you're lucky to have 30 or 40. So you've got a veteran offensive line. You've got the skill players. But, I mean, again, quarterback is the toughest position out there, and it, 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 you just can't replace somebody like Sam Hartman. So, for me, that's – I'm a little bit skeptical. 
Maybe with a good season, they finish in the top 25. That's about where I had them before I heard about this. So, you know, again, maybe they take the step back. Now, North Carolina State is the other way. I mean, it, it's when you talk about them, I mean, I, I, I was talking uh, with uh, Matt Zemeck the other day, and the, the first thing came to mind is like, man, I sound like Dick Vitale. What do you mean by like, oh, they got nine and three. They got 10 starters back in the defense. It's electrifying, baby. We're going all the way. Now, you know, maybe that's a little bit too much. But, again, I, I, I like what they're building. I feel like they're going in the, in the right Well direction. done. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like they're going in the right direction. I'm excited about it. Um, I I don't know that it's enough to overtake Clemson, but uh, I'm I'm sure we can. Uh, I'm I'm sure when come open mic time, we can have a nice discussion about that. All right, Terry. And speaking of Clemson, do they get their offense fixed? And you and you talked a little bit, um, you know, about the departure of Tony Elliott, and you know they've got Brandon Streeter taking over some of some of that uh, there. And everyone is wondering, is DJ Uyangalale, you know, going to be able to turn the corner? Uh, and if he can't, Cabe Klubnik is sitting there waiting in the wings. Well, again, I don't know that they get it fixed. And I, I say this because I feel like people are looking at the wrong problem. Uh, look, uh, DJ was not good last year, but that wasn't the problem. The problem is the offensive line. The problem is they're getting whipped up front. Like the, the one from Pittsburgh, I remember, the shovel pass. Okay, there should not be a defensive lineman sitting in a backward when you throw a shovel pass. I mean, I coach 12 and under, and I've never seen that. So, for me, the problem with Clemson is, hey, you can't run the ball. If your quarterback is struggling, you need to be able to throw and run the ball and take DJ in South Bend. He had no, he had no trouble throwing the ball. Why? Because they had to respect the run and they had to lay off. But last year, nobody respected the run. So you can pin your ears back and send four and bring all this pressure and, and do all that. Now, I think Brandon Streeter is, is a great coach, and I think you know he'll, he'll, he'll have a solid offense. But the bottom line is that until they get physical and nasty up front, none of it is going to matter. So, like I said, I still think they have a good team, but I'm not – you know, it, it's going to be more like uh, – you know, the 1980s where your good teams won games 14 to 10 as opposed to, you know, 44 to 41. All right, Terry, we're going to have a little lightning round question. Um, we got three questions here for you in this lightning round, and we're going to start off with who is your preseason uh, 2022 ACC football coach of the year. And you've already talked a little bit about this with Georgia tech. I don't think there's no, um, you know, no question about Jeff Collins being one of the ACC football coaches on the hot seat, but who else is on the ACC football? What other ACC football coaches are on the hot seat? Okay. Uh, as far as um, coach of the year, that one is uh, Pat Narduzzi. And I say that's going to happen because I say Pittsburgh beats Miami. And the reason I have Pittsburgh beating Miami, yes, you lost Kenny Pickett. Keaton Slovis is the man. And even if he isn't, 145, and I checked this twice, 145 career starts on the offensive line. Um, this might be a bit of an exaggeration, but I would bet you that I, at age 48, could probably go out there and throw three or few touchdowns behind that line. So 
I think with Pat Narduzzi winning that division, that makes him coach of the year because everybody's Miami, Miami, Miami. I'm going to be the one going against it and saying, yeah, Pittsburgh does it, and on the strength of that, he's the coach of the year. As far as hot seats go, the one that stands out to me is Scott Satterfield. And, and man, I hate to say this because he did such a good job coaching at Toledo when they actually got they, – they had that struggle there. They finally broke through. They won their ACC title. He's a great coach. With that said, it's just not going to cut it. I mean, they, they, they fired – you know, again, Bobby Petrino – and it's kind of the same thing that we saw at Clemson. Bobby Petrino didn't really – they didn't really work too much on the line. And like I say, when you have an athlete like Lamar Jackson, it's really hard. You know, he, he can disguise a lot of bandages. But again, the, the line has never been physical. They had that they had that you know eight and five year, and they struggled. And and to be honest, Louisville, you know, Louisville's a powerhouse. Okay, so just going six and seven and going to the do drop in bowl isn't going to cut it. So I feel like he's on the he's on the hot seat, and Louisville's going to have to get it done this year, or they may be making a coaching change. All right. Second question here in the the lightning round: uh, Who plays for and then wins the ACC title? Okay, uh, as, as I was saying, I, I like Pittsburgh in the in the coastal. That that just seems like a, the pick to me again behind the experience of the offensive line. Uh, as far as the Atlantic, I'm going with Clemson. I know they didn't win it last year, and I know I just told you about how you know what the offense is still going to struggle, but they host NC State, they host Miami, and you're, you're like, well, why do they host NC State Miami? Why is that so important? Here's a fun fact. Clemson is 53-1 and in Death Valley since 2014. That one loss came against Pittsburgh. In overtime, Clemson ended up winning it all. 53-1, and that, that, that number just stands out to me. It's like, hey, it's going to take something really special to see them go down. I just don't see it happening. I've got Clemson playing Pittsburgh. I've got... Again, another slobber knocker between two great defenses. I say Clemson wins it 14 to 10. All right, and our last question in the lightning round, Terry. Uh, let's go national here. Give us your four college football playoff teams as of today, and who do you think wins the national title? And since we, you had Clemson winning the ACC, uh, will they be in the playoff picture? I'm sorry, everybody. They're not going to be in the playoffs, and, and I'll, I'll elaborate as to why. Um, the four I have in the playoff is Alabama at number one, Ohio State at number two, Utah at number three, and Georgia at number four. And here's how this is going to go down. Clemson's going to go through the ACC. I, I, I think they'll win all their games. They're going to lose to Notre Dame. And, you, you know, that seems like a safe pick being is, hey, we've seen this movie before. Okay. So Notre Dame is going to play Ohio State close. And then, you know, I, I feel like Ohio State's going to win the game, but Notre Dame's going to be close. And that's going to start planning into that. It's like, well, you know, Notre Dame beat Clemson. Clemson can't be in. And then it's going to come down to Notre Dame or, Notre Dame or Georgia. And um, until somebody from the College Football Selection Committee says that there's no great conspiracy, the SEC is always going to get the nod. So I say Georgia will be the fourth team over Notre Dame. And it's going to be some kind of argument like, well, the last few times that Notre Dame played the SEC, they done lost. So you watch. I, I, I fully expect this to happen. 
All right. Uh, Matthew, I'm going to turn it over to you as we close out the podcast with our open mic segment. Terry, I got a good question for you. Okay. We're here August 21st, 2022. And boy, I... I think you can correct me if I'm wrong, but is it 42 years since airplanes come out? Is that right? That does sound about right. Okay. If you were to have a third airplane today, today, who would you have as the captain of the flight? Who would be your captain uh, out of current Hollywood? Oh, out of current Hollywood. I was going to say, well, I think the obvious answer would be you and I. Well, <laughs> right. <laughs> who would be get, give me the current Hollywood? Who would you have as your who would you who would you have as your pilot? Um, well I was gonna say it would it would have to be Dave Chappelle. And I say that because I can't think of anybody funnier than him, but somehow I'd have to get Ken Jong in there. I'm trying to think of just some people that just are hilarious. Those two are the first two that come to mind. How about Ryan? I was thinking, okay, do you, do you, do you remember Ryan Reynolds? Yes. How about, I was thinking I would have him as the pilot because of course he had some of those real funny movies in the, in the olden days, right? Like, just like Sean Penn did. And I would bring him in as the, I would, I would consider bringing him in as the pilot and, you know, as the, as the flight attendant, I would probably bring in, I would say Zoe, Zoe, Sel, Zoe uh, Saldana. Yes. Or maybe Kate Winslet as uh, as the flight as the flight as the flight attendant. But I was just those are a few of those that I was thinking of at the top of my mind because I was wondering, you know, I was thinking, and, and on the other side, I might bring in Ben Ben Stiller as the other pilot. Or the doctor. <laughs> yeah, right. Or no, or, or better yet, maybe Jerry Stiller is the doctor. Yeah, right. From Seinfeld. Right. What the nothing wrong with you? Yes. Don't eat the eggs. Right. And then, of course, his wife on Seinfeld. What do you mean, don't eat the eggs? <laughs> right. That's what I was thinking, because I want that to come out again. I was hoping I was hoping that somebody would consider a third airplane. So I I'm hoping that that will come. I'm hoping that that will come up. What is your open microphone for us? What do you got? What do you got for us, Terry? Well, again, I'm going to go back to uh, I'm going to point this out is that I think that we, we've had a lot of talk on the off season about uh, expansion. I still think there's going to be another twist in here, and I think that there's basically going to be an FBS split. Uh, I believe the SEC and some teams from the Big Ten, not all, because and the reason I say that is like, okay, well, why why do I say some Big Ten teams and not all? I know what Commissioner Warren is on record as saying is that hey, we want the players to get a piece of the pie, and and like say uh, C.J. Stroud has said that. I believe um, the kid at uh, Sean Clifford at Penn State has said that not all the Big Ten schools are going to go along with that. Again, I, go, I base this on Jim Delaney in 2012 saying, hey, if we're paying players, we're going to D3, and that's that. So what, 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 I, what I envision happening is some kind of an FBS split with basically the schools that want to pay players and do things. And, again, I'm not assessing the validity of this. There, there, there are valid arguments 
for the current system, there are valid arguments to players getting paid. There are valid arguments somewhere in between. I'm not going to assess the validity of that because, hey, that you know, there, there's that's a whole show by itself. But what concerns me is you're going to have an FBS split, and what's going to happen is it's going to be like the NFL. There's going to be 30 something programs in here with, uh, you know, it'll be like the Wild West in, in the lack of a, I mean, or Wild West, I guess is a bad example. It'll be like the days of the Southwest Conference. You know, there'll be $100 handshakes, only there'll be much more than $100, and everybody will be aware of it, and it'll be completely within the rules. And then those that don't want to do that are going to go that kind of their – and this is where I, where I really thought the um, – this is where I really thought the so-called um, alliance of understanding or whatever the really cool term was last year when we were talking about um, – we're talking about our shared views. That's where I see this going. So you'll have teams like – you know, uh, Washington State, Oregon State, you know, yeah, they want to compete and they want to do this. They don't want to pay anybody to go there. They just want athletes that, you know, want to go to school free of tuition. So that is something that concerns me. It's something to, to keep an eye on because it just seems like it's every time we're like, okay, this is the end and we've got peace. Now we don't. And now it's kind of broken. And, and this is why, you know, last year this time I said, hey, I thought there'd be an FBS split. I, I, I still think that would happen. And, um, for, for the listeners on here that don't know, what I'm referring to is in 1978, we had a situation very similar to this. In order to be in Division One, there were different things that you had to do in order to be a Division One school, like attendance requirements, things like that. Well, some of the schools at the very bottom said, look, <laughs> there's no way we can do that. And that's how we got to where we are today, or that, that there was a split. There was Division One a where the teams that were going to do it, and there was Division One AA. Well, now those are FBS and FCS. So I, I think we're going to see something. I mean, I don't – what would you even call the upper division uh, professional? I mean, I, I don't – I wouldn't even want to try to go through it and, and sort that out. But as far as open mic goes, like, hey, somebody has to raise this as a concern and something to watch going forward. And uh, if, if – as they develop, if you guys need an article, you know where – you know who to ping to get something up. Well, we appreciate that, Terry. We appreciate that. That's a really good take. Jeff, you're up, buddy. Yeah, uh, you know, finishing up the uh, open mic that I was talking about at the beginning of the podcast and and Commissioner, um, ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips, uh, you know, the – the ACC has never been good at, at PR. Um, you know, they, they don't like to talk about themselves when things go well. Um, they've always been pretty pretty reactive in the media. And, you know, I, I think in, in the past, you, you could say, hey, if, if you were silent, it was, a, it was seen as a sign of working behind the scenes. Uh, and that's how it was perceived. But now in these, you know, PR heavy days, social media, you know, if you're not talking about what you're doing, it's now perceived as a sign of relative inactivity, and that's bad. That's really bad um, when that's ha- when that goes on. Even if you're trying as hard as you can, we know he's the ACC is like front and center talking about revenue, and I know he's working on it. Um, you know, he said so at ACC media days, but he's got to get out ahead of this um, and 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 start talking about what the ACC is going to do. Uh, you can be vague about this and saying we're exploring all our options, and you said that at, at media days. But uh, I really think he needs to start kind of putting out of a uh, an ACC kind of state of the union type 
address, like, you know, maybe on a monthly basis on the ACC network, you know, how are these negotiations with ESPN uh, going, you know, is that con, is that contract going to be restructured? Are there plans for something else? You know, you just hired a consulting firm, um, you know, a former media executives that said they're going to be doing um, in-person meetings with the 15 member schools. You know, maybe you can't release like every bit of what they're talking about, but I mean, put it out there. What what are they? Some of the things that that aren't so sensitive that you can mention. Um, you know, that that's my kind of open mic rant is that you know Jim Phillips kind of needs to get ahead of this, you know, start laying out, even if it's a not a completely uh, thought out plan, because, I mean, you've got commissioners all across the country just saying like, well, we might do this, we might do that. And, it, you know, it gets people, you know, talking about what's going on, because at least it sounds like you're thinking about doing something. And even if Phillips is, uh, he, he needs to, to make some statements that are that are more concrete uh, than he has. It's it's been a month since media days, and you know that that would at least give ACC fans and boosters that like, hey, you're 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 working on something, and not just saying you're considering options and thinking about it, but they can kind of see it as it develops. And if I were Jim Phillips, that's one thing I would start to do. That's I, I, I thought it was great that you said that the uh, <laughs> the ACC isn't that great with PR, and that's absolutely true, Jeff. That's absolutely true. You know, so I, I I am happy. I am happy that I think that there's a good chance that we may get some. I think we may get some more time on ESPN. The ACC may get some more time on ESPN. I mean, and there's that real possibility because of the slots that are opening up because of the Big Ten basically divorcing themselves from ESPN. So we may have, you know, there there may be an opportunity for the ACC to get, possibly get some more revenue that way. Right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely on the on the table. I mean, I, I, that's what the, one of the points I would love to hear of Jim Phillips mentioned that, you know, is that possibility now that, um, you know, the Big Ten is out of the uh, out of ESPN for the time being? I mean, that opens up a whole lot, you know, more money availability for the for the conference and, you know, improved time slots. You know, hey, Jim Phillips, come, come out and say that at least one of them say, hey, you know, with, with ESPN's you know, additional content, we're the ACC, we're going to provide that and, you know, be one of those conferences that you're going to see on more on primetime slots. And we're discussing with them, you know, now that that the agreement didn't work with the Big Ten, you know, on that revenue structure. Uh, I totally agree with you, Matthew. I mean, here's an opportunity right here to, to make some statements here in the next couple of weeks based on what happened with the Big Ten. Amen. Terry. Quick question before we exit tonight. Who's winning the FCS title? Uh, Kennesaw State. <laughs> Seriously? Seriously, they're ranked in the top 10. They run that split beer. It's a little bit crazy. I just, again, I've seen too many things. I've seen them come close and then not ball through. But, again, they're a fun team to watch. I, I know that, that everybody thinks that, that option offenses are boring, but uh, I think you can go back and ask Georgia Tate. Georgia Tech, if you know, maybe abandoning the split beer a little 
too soon cause some problems. But again, this is the name I like, uh, Xavier Shepard. He's an amazing quarterback. He ran for 23, threw for 15. This is my guy. This is my team. Maybe it's a little bit of a homer because they're only an hour from me, but I just we call it a hunch because we, we just haven't seen, you know, we just haven't seen the Southern Conference break through in one. I know they're in the Big South, but it's like I haven't seen a title down here, and that just seems weird. So if somebody's going to upset North Dakota State, that's the team I want to see do it. Okay, so I'll give you my thoughts here. I, I think North Dakota State, I, I will pick North Dakota State today. You wouldn't expect anything less from me, probably. However, if you're looking for an alternative, look at Montana State. There you go. Hard to go against. Hey, and uh, we got to mention that Jackrabbits, too. I know they're yes. in a tough conference, but they're they're perfectly capable of winning three or four in a row. Absolutely. I I, I was impressed with what Brett, Brett Vegan did in such a short time at Montana State. And as you know, he was the offensive coordinator for many of those buys and title runs, and he's got that offense rolling in Bozeman. I mean, he, you know, you give him a, a little time and he'll get a few more players in there and working the transfer portal, Terry. And I I, I can see him winning a title there in a couple of years. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, uh, Athlon Sports agrees with you. They've got Montana State in the top five. So uh, they're certainly, uh, you know, hacks don't get there. Even the team I picked was 10th. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, Terry, man, thank you for joining us on AllSportsDiscussion.com podcast here. This is the longest running podcast covering the ACC in the country. We're at 423 episodes tonight. So thank you for joining us, Terry, and we'd love to have you come on again at the end of the season with us, man. Yeah, that'd be great. And like I say, I'll be, I can, uh, I think there's going to be a lot to talk about during basketball too. So I'd be happy to come back then as well. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you so much, Terry. Have a great week. Have a great night.